Okay, Chewie here, getting ready for night one, the Cassandra Cup of the Pride and Vibe weekend. And I tried very hard to not know anything about the card. I just know there's the Battle Royale for the Cassandra Cup that I am very, very, very much rooting for my dude, Shooter McMurphy, to win because I haven't had a male wrestler that's a favorite of mine in many moons. And Killian is my dude. So I'm rooting for Killian hard. I'm rooting for Gummy Boar hard. Big shout out to Erica Lee. Love her. Love Boar. Uh, very excited to see Jordan Blade. Like, anytime I can see Jordan Blade is a treat. Jordan Blade is just god dang. Like, y'all, Jordan Blade is so god dang good that I've probably seen her, I don't know, a good bit in the last year. And every time I see him, because they use both pronouns, remember everybody, <laughs> every time I see him, she just gets better and better. And there's no one else in the world who can do what he does the way she does it, night in, night out. That's the star. I am always going to praise Jordan Blade and push them into the consciousness of wrestling fans everywhere because, God damn it, Jordan Blade is just that good. Um... I'm also excited just to, like, see people I know from Twitter. Like, yo, Elm's going to be there. Like, hello, Elm. Ah, that's exciting. Uh, what else? Like, um, yeah. Oh, of course, my hometown hero, Trisha Dora, the world champ from Southeast D.C., Anacostia, I see you. And my personal hero that I've stated on this show many times, either surreal, where I tell everybody my pride comes from her pride i could not find my pride if she didn't find her pride so i'm very very excited about that match and this will be my second time seeing msp in, in in the flesh live so yeah lots of stuff to look forward to just the the atmosphere so far has just been amazing everybody's on a real upbeat everybody's just looking forward to just seeing some great queer based wrestling and just being out and proud. That's what this is all about. Being out and being proud. Taking up space, baby. It's Pride Month. Let's do this shit. Okay, I'm here with the ephemeral queen, the queen of the glitter bombs, Miss Edith Surreal. Edith Surreal, two questions for you. What does Pride Invite mean to you? And what, are the two, what is something you're looking forward to most in the next two days? I mean, Pride Invite is like, the most important weekend for me all year. It's, it means everything. And just to be honored being the first Cassandra Cup winner and being featured on both nights, it's just, it's something I look forward to all year. So it really just means everything. And most of all, I'm looking forward to seeing all my friends. I mean, people from all over the country, all over the world, like here for one weekend. It's just, uh, that's the thing I'm, I most look forward to, just the community of us all in one place. and. It's just a different vibe, no pun intended. No, no, pun was intended there. Yeah, just the whole community coming together for this weekend. It's just, uh, it's something really special. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I'm pink as skeleton, and my blood is clearly. I am pink as skeleton.
Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. Every Tuesday, new episodes of this show free for you wherever you get your podcasts. Hosted by myself, Harley R. Padgett, Emily Fear, and our team of correspondents known as the Glitterati. This week, three other members of the Glitterati are on the show. M and Mayday will be discussing Impact's Slammiversary. Myself and Val Pancakes will be giving our thoughts on Pride and Vibe Weekend from the comfort of her home, courtesy of IWTV. And, as you heard, J.R. Chewy Harris was live at Pride and Vibe with a bunch of our friends and our favorite wrestlers, and we'll continue to be recording throughout this episode. Harley, this music's too loud, my bad. All right, I'm here with Man About Twitter Elm. We're sitting inside tonight's of Columbus, ready for Pride and Vibe night one. Elm, what does Pride and Vibe mean to you? I would say Pride and Vibe means that it's like pretty much the only place that like, well, not the only place, there are many places, but it feels like the like mecca of queer wrestling, especially like the queer wrestling Twitter. Um, it's already been so amazing, like meeting so many people that, including you, uh, that I like know from online, but haven't met. And it's, uh, I guess it for me means like, community like that it's all the people that i am always like talking to but in real life it's great and what are you looking to what are you looking forward to most over the next two nights um i i've been thinking about this a lot because people keep asking me um i probably would have to say um the main event of Paris is bumpy, and I think it's tomorrow night, uh, with it'll be Candy versus Dark Sheik versus Edith, uh, very sadly missing Mariah, um, but uh, we love her and we're glad she's doing what she wants to do to, and like, improve her life, but like, seeing, like I've seen all, I've seen Candy wrestle, I've seen Edith wrestle, I've seen Dark Sheik wrestle, but like seeing them all in the ring together is just going to be like a very beautiful moment. Thank you very much. Oh, it don't matter. Oh, this is Chewy again. I'm here with my hometown hero from Southeast Washington, D.C. The world goddamn champion, Trish Dor. Trish, two questions. Yes. What does Pride and Vibe mean to you, and what are you looking forward to most? Yes. So, uh, for me, Pride and Vibe is all about acceptance, right? And it's all about representation. Because for me, wrestling was just a TV show, mm. right? And then one day, I saw Jacqueline. Mm. And then for some reason it clicked, like, oh my god, I can do it. For some, I never thought for a second that I could. I saw her and I was like, I'm doing all of that. Right. <laughs> Hold my bag, I'm doing all of that. So it's very, very important in these communities to make sure that you see people that look like you, you know. It's very, very important. My match with Edith tonight is going to be amazing. I'm so excited to see the Rumble, too, actually. So tonight's going to be absolutely crazy. I'm so happy to be a part of Billy's production. Billy Dixon is just a genius when it comes to wrestling. Just a true genius, and I'm going to miss him very, very much. 
Night one of this year's Pride and Vibe Festival was the second annual Cassandro Cup. Last year, Cassandro Cup was a one-night single elimination tournament won by the greatest wrestler of our generation, Edith Surreal. This year, it was a 30-person rumble. Very fun stuff to watch from the comfort of my home through IWTV. As everybody has heard by now, obviously plans change. People got sick. Other people had things fall through. They weren't able to make it. Credit to the Pride and Vibe team for pulling things together, for getting people to do double duty, for getting people who maybe weren't booked for night one, just for night two, to jump on night one. That's my speculation on maybe some issues with no background info. All in all, though, the card delivered still, despite everything. Maybe it wasn't the card they envisioned in their head. Maybe it wasn't the card they advertised two weeks ago. But nobody can complain about what they were given in the end result. Edith Surreal versus Trisha Dora. Okay, there you go. There's a card right there. Who cares? Like, You could give me Edie versus Trish on a card where the six other matches are just boring men doing boring man things. And I'd still walk away the end of the night going, you know what, I think I got my money's worth. You know, I got Edie versus Trish in a submission clinic. Okay, I'm good. I can't complain. And you can't complain. You can't complain when two of the greats go at it in a great match. Edie picks up the win with the small package. The champ, well, the champ, the cup holder, I guess, retains, except it wasn't, you know what I mean. The cup wasn't on the line, but the inaugural winner of the Cassandra Cup wins the first match of the second year of the Cassandra Cup. What does that mean? Does that mean that next year at Cassandra Cup 3, we're maybe owed some sort of singles match between Edie and the winner of this year's Cassandra Cup? I can see it happening. And I, yeah, I'm going to request it. Please. Hello, Billy Dixon, if you're listening next year, make it happen. Our second match on the card, MSP versus the Outfielders. On a card like this, it would be very easy for this one and for the other tag match to get overlooked, to get lost in the shuffle, right? WWE does this with their Rumble. They they know the Rumble is a draw. That's a big thing. And they load up their pay-per-views with filler matches, weak things, because it doesn't matter. People are coming for the Rumble. And so on a show with the Cassandro Cup Rumble, with Billy Dixon's retirement match versus Darius Carter in an I Quit match, it'd be easy for the other matches on the card to be meaningless, to be fluff, to just be something to warm up the crowd and get things going. That was not the case here. Every single one of these matches delivered. Every single match, one of these matches was outstanding. MSP versus the outfielders. Love the outfielders. They've been on the show. They've played the New Year's Day game before. Love MSP. They haven't been on the show before. Maybe they will. Someday. Soon. Hint, hint. Great match between these two teams. I love the chemistry. Shay, your new gear. I say this to you, Shay, and I say this to my Glitterati co-member, Valerie Quartz of Dale Apparel. Chef's kiss. Love it. Love all of it. I love the energy in this one. I loved the the... Hmm. I don't want to keep saying the word vibe or the word vibes because it feels cheesy with the, when it's in the name of the show. 
But damn, this was fun. I love this one. I love the energy that all four of these people bring. And putting them in the ring together was great stuff. Great stuff. Maybe we get a tag titles for Pride and Vibe sometime in the near future. I don't know. I mean, we got a lot of good teams here. And that could be a very fun addition. Then we run into the first sort of maybe roadblock. Maybe. Of the night. It was supposed to be a six-person Doors remix match. Four of them didn't make it. That's a hard one. That's a hard thing to recover from. But when you got this many amazing wrestlers in town, it's not it's not the hindrance that it could otherwise have been. You go into that locker room and you say, Action Star, you're up. Masha Slamovich, welcome to the show. Ali Catch, call your brother, see if he wants to wrestle. We get Al Catch up in here, looking like Vinny Massaro in a sloppy white shirt. We have weapons, we have barbed wire chairs, we get tables, we get Kid Bandit showing out. I mean, maybe the MVP of the match, the standout of the match, Bandit. Bandit's really taking the world from Storm. I can't. M, no. We have to get Bandit on this show soon. I can't believe Bandit has been on the show. We've had Edie. We've had Trish. We've had Ali catch briefly in one episode in the past, I believe. But we've never had Kid Bandit on yet. And we really need to make that happen because they, if they don't retire, like they've threatened, if they stick it out, they're my pick for future star of the year in this year's Glitter Bombs in December. Although maybe that's being, maybe that's being, what's the opposite of premature? I don't know. But maybe by the time December rolls around, Bandit won't even be a future star anymore. They'll just be star, top name, star. Not to take away from these other people in this match. Not at all. Masha Slamovich, taking the world by storm. Everybody loves Masha. Logan Black looked really good here, too. Love the energy that Logan brought as a base against people like Bandit, as the powerhouse in this. We see it later in the Cassandra Cup as well. This was a great match. And now Catch wins his first match in his debut. Nothing to sneeze at. Then it's, oh my God, then it's Gummy Boar versus Kings of the District. See what I'm saying? Do you, do you, Chewy, Brian, Elm, all of you who are in the arena, I hope, I hope you really appreciate the magic that you got to see live because God, I would have killed to have been there. I tried. I tried so hard to make it to the show. I, I looked at my pocketbooks. I looked at my bank account. I dug under the mattress for spare change. And it's just, it, if I wasn't getting married four days from today, I might have done it. It's just bad timing. Next year, though, same time next year, I'll I'll, I'll grab my, my future wife and we'll come out next year. I promise. We'll make it happen one way or another. Because Gummy Boar versus Kings of the District, again, Two of the best teams going today. Personal faves of all of ours. I got to meet Eric Lee recently. Thankfully. None of these other people on this card I've met in person. Breaks my heart. Anyway, that's not your problem. Great match. They, they announced at the start, 10-minute time limit. And I'm like, that's odd. That seems, that seems brief for a match of this stature with these teams. 10 minutes only? Come on. And sure enough, come on. I don't know who was making the decisions there. They went to a draw. Duh. Who didn't see that coming? Luckily, Faye Jackson says, start the match again. We have five more minutes. 
It's going good. It's going good. Eel O'Neal takes a doo-doo death drop. I don't think he's going to kick out of that. No offense to Eel whatsoever, but I don't see him kicking out. And yet, the clock runs out again. Another time I'm a draw. This time, Faye, a little stingy. No more five minutes? That's it? 15 minutes? Time limit draw? Maybe my only complaint about the night. Come on. Do, do better. Then the Cassandra Cup Rumble. And I just love this. I loved the mix of people in this. I love that we got the heavyweights of the queer wrestling scene. We've got our, our Dark Sheiks. We've got our Al Catches. We've got Erica. We've got AC Mack, the independent champion. And then we've got people that I'm not familiar with. People like Katred, people like, I know I'm on a chaos, but not that well, not well enough, I'll, I'll admit. Just a lot of fun personalities here, seeing them work together with each other, seeing people like Dark Sheik go so deep in the match, seeing Jared Evans showing up too. Every Paris is bumping show, every Cassandra Cup show. Jared Evans, secret weapon for Pride and Vibe, I will say. There's so much in this match, I can't go into all of it, obviously. And I can always nitpick with any Rumble the sort of kayfabe logistics, right? Questions like, well, why was Shay McCoy and Jordan Blade in this one, but not Trisha Dora, not Eel O'Neill? Why did some people do double duty? Why did some others not? Why wasn't Edie allowed to be in this match to try to win the cup for a second time? Those questions are always come up to mind for me. But you can't argue with the final four. AC Mack, Devon Monroe, Killing McMurphy, Book Valentine. Devon Monroe, another secret weapon for Pride and Vibe. Gets better every time. In the end, it comes down to Book Valentine, Killing McMurphy, and we think it's going to happen. We think, oh, the Cassandra Cup, be mine, Valentine. But alas, it is not. It is the shooter shooting his shot. Picking up the win for the Goon Squad. Making, maybe avenging things for Big Dust, getting humiliated by Polo Delmar. Killing McMurphy, the second Cassandra Cup winner. So this is what I'm saying. I'm saying Cassandra Cup 3 next year. we got to get Killing versus Evie. And then I'm also intrigued to see how the Cassandra Cup will be decided for a third time. Could be a scramble, a gauntlet match? Could it be some sort of three stages of hell match? Could it be, hmm, I don't know. I would suspect that maybe maybe the Pride and Vibe staff don't know yet either. But they got a year to think about it. And I trust they're going to come up with something great. Now our main event, Billy Dixon versus Darius Carter for the I Quit match. This is hearsay. I apologize to everybody listening. I apologize to the gentleman in the match. I apologize to everyone in the arena. It was late and I had to be up early the next day. And I thought I would do the match justice and do myself the responsible adult thing. I would pause here. I would go to bed, get a good night's sleep, and I would watch this epic match, fresh eyes, renewed, full of zest. What a way to start my Saturday morning with a bowl of cereal in this match and I woke the next morning to discover that it vanished from IWTV as soon as the live stream ended that it was not available on on demand it is not available on on demand still 
as I record this, I have not watched this match yet. If I had known, I would have stayed up. Obviously, obviously, I want to. I, I don't even know what happened. I believe Darius won, but I refuse to believe that he won fair and square. That doesn't no. There were shenanigans of some sort. There have to have been for Billy. Billy Dixon did not say I quit. I, I don't believe it. I've heard that maybe he did. I read on Cage Match that he did, but I don't believe it. You can't trust. Can't trust the internet. All I can do, I guess, is wait for it to arrive on on demand. And watch myself and see what happened because it burns me now that I didn't see this. I'm filled with regret. I apologize again to everybody involved. I apologize to myself on behalf of myself from two days ago for being a dummy and going to bed before this match ended, thinking I could watch the next morning without being certain. The lack of certainty is what ails me. I trust it was a good match. Maybe Chiro will have some thoughts. I'm sure he will. Let me just send things over to them now. Hey everybody, Chewy here, doing just myself. Gonna give you a little bit of what I thought about night one before getting ready for night two. Night one was amazing. Like, for all the things that quote unquote went wrong before the show, Billy Dixon and the genius that they are I, you could have told me any, nothing went wrong and I would have never noticed because it was still a great fucking show. However, I will say the main event was the most emotional torment I've ever been through in a wrestling match. I've made it quite obvious. I've never, I love Billy Dixon. I love that there's a black queer person that's just holding a spot that he is at the top of independent wrestling. And there's a lot of myself I identify through them. But because I hate baby faces, I've never rooted for them. And I love Darius Carter. I think Darius Carter is one of the bestest wrestlers in the world. But that match was so emotionally draining that for the last 10 minutes it was just a thick silence in the KOC and I'm looking around at the fans and at the talent around I'm like I don't know what's going on anymore like I don't know if we're in a work shoot if we're in a shoot if we're in a work this is this is just this is too much to even process and I mean just spectacularly done for an emotionally draining retirement match like just artistically well done but it was so much so much so 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 i cannot express to you how much it was to where even this morning i'm messaging brian bell of lgbt in the ring go check them out but um just saying like yo it's a new day and i'm still just drained i'm flushed and they're right there with me. Like, yeah, that was a lot. So it was a lot. But it was so much fun. And shout out to Daryl Peril for Shane McCoy's gear. Because that shit was fly. Very dope gear. You know, Val, Val can do anything. We love Val. So, night two. Paris is bumping. Tonight. I'm just looking for a good party. Like, I just want to be out. And just have a good party. We'll see how it goes. 
All right, that was for you, Harley. All right, so I'm here with the person behind LGBT in the ring, the one, the only, the incomparable, Brian Bell. Brian, yes. two questions. Okay. Answer them in any order. All right. What does Pride and Vibe mean to you, and what are you looking forward to most over the next two nights? Ooh, all right. So I'll answer the second one first. Looking forward to the most, obviously, Queer Rumble. Obviously, the, the main event at Paris is bumping. I mean, come on, like an all-trans main event. It's something that Billy has been trying to put together for so long, and we're finally going to see it. Uh, I cannot wait to see that match. And, of course, Billy and Darius, I quit. Billy's retirement match, Billy's final moment in the ring. There's not going to be a dry eye in this house. I Obviously, if you listen to my show, you know Billy is like the most frequent guest outside of the person that lives with me. And so, like, Billy and I have developed a very close relationship through that. And it's just, I know I'm going to be an emotional wreck, but I just cannot wait to see what he has in store for that match uh, specifically. Um, Pride and Vibe, what does it mean to me? It means unabashedly being yourself, expressing yourself the way that you see yourself. It takes me back to Paris's bumping last year where it was the most electric and affirming pro wrestling environment that I've ever been in. And to have an entire weekend of that and not just one night of it, it warms my heart to no end. It makes me excited for the pathway that we are carving in pro wrestling right now. And I honestly, it just gets me stoked for whenever we do it next year. Honestly, it really does. And that's why you need to listen to LGBT in the ring. We're like, <laughs> we're a companion podcast here. So just exactly. do it. Thank you so much. Bell Pancakes here to talk about Paris's bumping. I viewed it live on IWTV from my couch. I love that IWTV is able to give time, resources, and a platform so that these LGBTQ performers can really shine on a bigger stage where more people can see them. I myself, obviously, I can't go to, you know, New Jersey or, you know, the West Coast to Oakland to really catch these types of shows in their element. So my my experience with them really comes mostly from watching it on IWTV. And I'm truly grateful that they're able to do that so that I can catch more talent than I ever could where I live in Nebraska. That being said, uh, this card was stacked, started off hot with Dark Sheik versus Darius Carter, went into a tag team match with AC Mack and Ashton Starr versus Bussy. There was a Slave Viver series match that pitted the House of McQueen against the Best Business Bureau. Uh, originally was supposed to go against, I believe, the House of Atari, uh, which was West Coast talent. That unfortunately, due to some travel issues, were unable to make it. So the Best Business Bureau stepped in and did a fantastic job against the House of McQueen. We also got to see uh, the beautiful and talented manager of champions, Poyo Del Mar versus Washington Heights in a lip sync death match, 
which then rolled over into a match between Ariel Lennox and Sahara 7. There was also a Hall of Fame induction ceremony with Dark Sheik, Eddie McQueen, and Larry Legend. Uh, we had Nick Pierce versus Erica Lee. Uh, went into Trisha Dora versus Devon Monroe. There was a gray sweatpants scramble. And uh, concluding the night with a three-way match between Dark Sheik, Edith Surreal, and Candy Lee. Highlights for me I included uh, Devon Monroe. I love Devon Monroe. I think he is great. I cannot sing enough praises for Devon. I've been so lucky that I've been able to see them I've been able to see him wrestle numerous times, and he's just astonishing. Between Paris's bumping and my recording this today, I went to a First Avenue show where I got to see Devon up close and in person against Sunny Kiss. 1010 would recommend checking that out if you get a chance when they upload that to wherever it goes. I think they're YouTube. That show was fantastic, and Devon is just, just such a remarkable talent. The things that Devon can do and really put out such good work every match. After having so many matches this weekend between Pride and Vibe and then going in first and didn't skip a beat. He is definitely a future star if he's not already a star. And his match against Trisha Dora for Paris' bumping was great. Trisha Dora, I don't think I can see her ever have a bad match. So you put her with somebody like Devon and it was highlight one of my favorite matches of the night by far. Gray sweatpants scramble. Uh, shenanigans like gray sweatpants events usually bring out. Earlier in the night, there was an alliance formed between Jared Evans and Max Zero. And Max accompanied Jared to the ring for the Gray Sweatpants Scramble before being banished to the back by Faye Jackson because he was not advertised on the card. Uh, this is an injustice to all of us. Not being able to see handsome Max Zero in a Gray Sweatpants event. And if he so chooses, I would petition to have him included in the next Gray Sweatpants event. Handsome Max Zero for Gray Sweatpants. That's all I'm saying. We'll hashtag it. We'll get it trending. Uh, next year or the next time there's a Gray Sweatpants event, uh, I really hope to see Max involved. Main event of the night was, again, Dark Sheik, Edith Surreal, and Candy Lee. And this was being, I don't want to say build or advertise, but this was the first trans women main event. And not only were all three of the competitors trans women, but the referee for this match, Crystal, is also a trans woman. So it was good to see her included in this monumental and historic match. That it wasn't just the performers, but it was also the referee. So everybody was a trans woman, which is awesome. I love to see that kind of representation. The show was fantastic. I would recommend going back and watching it on IWTV when they put it up. One of the kind of like byproducts of, it, of the show is watching the judges react to the things that were happening. 
and uh, just catching them out of the corner of your eye or in the back of the, you know, the background of the match. I uh, just kind of popping for things, pulled up tens. Um, was so much fun. Oh boy, Chewy here. One more time. Just left. Nice of Columbus. Uh, Paris is bumping. Is ended. Pride and Vibe weekend has ended. Ah uh, man, after after everything from last night, today was on point. Like it was just a party. It was fabulous. It was fantastic. It was just great, and it was just fun seeing everybody just enjoy themselves, each other, the show, uh, the main event. Like, I can't believe that I can say, like, yo, I was there, front row, to see my hero, Edie Surreal, take on the legendary Dark Sheik and Candy Lee in a three-way dance, all-trans women main event. That's... That's history, like, and that's the the crown jewel of Pride Month 2022. All of this was icing on the cake, but that's the cake topper, and it was just fantastic throughout. I can't say enough good things about everything Billy Dixon has done this weekend and every year. With Pride and Vi- well, I guess with Paris is bumping, but now Pride and Vibe weekend. Um, yeah, I it's if you're, I will say this: if you're queer, you're going to want to come to this because it is the most fun you could ever have. And if you're not, but you're an ally, you still want to come to this because it is the most fun you'll ever have in wrestling. Like SummerSlam is supposed to be the summer blockbuster here. Like, no, it's not. Pride and Vibe Weekend, a Billy Dixon joint, is the best thing of the wrestling calendar in, in the summer. And, wow, just so much. Like, to see Larry Legend and Eddie McQueen and Dark Sheik get their flowers, like, that was just beautiful. And, you know, just the, the wackiness of the gray sweatpants battle royal, like... What can you not say? I can't say anything bad about this weekend. It was just a freaking good time and getting to meet the the people you know from Twitter that are always watching the same stuff, but now putting faces and by, like yeah, it was it was just great. Um, yeah, really fantastic show. Both nights were great. Paris is bumping though. Just excellent. That main event. I, I'm already going to say it. that's probably going to be my glitter bomb match of the year. So, from Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, for the last time for Pride of Vibe Weekend, at least. Chewy, signing off. Mayday, we're here to talk Slammiversary 2022, the 20th anniversary of Impact Wrestling, slash TNA, of course. I'm not sure when they actually officially switched over to Impact as a company. Um, I want to say like 2016, 2017, but yeah, 20 years of that company as a whole. (laughs) 20 years of a company that's not WWE existing in a 
like a fairly mainstream way. I mean, yes, TNA slash impact has had a up and down 20 years. They have gone from being featured in, you know, extended cable to being on networks that nobody really had access to, to largely being like a online entity for a lot of people to partially being streamed on Twitch to now kind of being on an extended cable network again. I don't know. However you define it, they have managed to continue existing for 20 years, which is a pretty big deal in the wrestling industry. Not too many promotions make it 20 years. No. And not too many promotions can boast the kind of pedigree that that Impact slash TNA can. Like, when we wa- when you watch Slammiversary, this is a pay-per-view that is a, you know, it's working in both the kayfabe storylines that it's seeking to, to resolve or to continue. And it's also, you know, celebrating the brand. And by doing that, they bring out a lot of people via like video segments and et cetera, who were part of that. People who are major stars, who were stars kind of going into TNA and became even huger ones going out of it. You've got a really storied past when it comes to impact. And not every promotion can say that they did that and continued to exist. Cough, cough, ring of honor, kind of cough, cough. <laughs> no, that's definitely true. Like, it seems like absolutely everyone at least had a cup of coffee in TNA or impact. Like they've got footage of them and they did bring in like a, a surprising amount of, I, I'm not sure if the word legends is copyright WWE, but they, they did bring in a lot of like, old school TNA talent. I mean, not many of them actually wrestled. Most of them are just appearances, interviews, little in-ring segments, but like there was a lot of old and familiar faces for celebrating 20 years. It was really cool. Yeah. But speaking of familiar faces, you know, like you said, it's seems like almost everybody major in the wrestling industry has had at least an appearance at impact. And you could like that their women's division is no exception. Women's division continues to be a place where any of the talent that you really want to see working, whether it's veteran talent or up-and-comers, Impact Wrestling is the place to find them. You've got people like Masha Slamovich, who was such a smart signing on Impact. I'm still kind of reeling from how like how savvy that signing was. And then you have a bunch of the women who were featured in Slamiversary's matches. And it was a really good mix of people who, you know, still kind of newly released back in the streets, back on the back in the promotion. You have people who have been doing time there for a while who are finally getting their flowers in this past year. And you've got a lot of like veterans mixed in there as well. So it's like it's a really, really rich stew that are being highlighted in a way that like, you know, we, we'd love to see other promotions do, but we just don't see. And Impact is just continues to do it without fail. I think a big part of it is the fact that Gail Kim runs the knockouts division almost separately from the rest of impact. Like it's its own little self-contained all women's promotion. Like she, she runs the storyline. She's in charge of the titles. She runs like everything regarding the knockouts. And then they just happen to share airtime with the men. Yeah. Which is a treating your women's division as fairly separate from your men's division is oftentimes a way of just like kind of siloing off that division and treating it as secondary, but instead having Gail Kim kind of treat this as its own, like women's promotion within a promotion means that everyone's getting attention. Everyone's getting focused here and there, and everyone's given the allowance to, to do tremendous work, whether it's on pay-per-view or an episodic television, 
there's promise for everyone. And that promise is often more delivered than not. And that's something really rare in major promotions. Honestly, it's rare with men's divisions and major promotions. So like what she's doing here, she's pulling off something really smart because she actually, there is someone in charge and who's actually fostering and boostering the division, whether rather than just, this is the women's division and somebody's booking it. Well, we don't, you know, yeah, we can't exactly. really yeah. say, but. Yeah, I think that's the fact that it has its own booker, its own head of creative, its own everything is what allows it to, to shine so prominently vice these other promotions that just, it's the same booker or set of bookers that control everything. And like you said, a lot of times they'll just trot out like, here, here's your damn women's match, go away. Um, at very much an afterthought, whereas that is her entire focus. That's that's her entire focus. I don't know. Um, and it, it very much shows that, yeah, like you said, she's fostering, she's bringing in new talent. She's making very smart signings with like returning and veteran talent. And it's, it's a great mix vice the, yeah, here's your one match at nine twenty, go away. Yeah. And I mean, you could like, you can point to Slammiversary. There are two women's matches here and you can say, oh, well, you know, AEW on the last pay-per-view had two women's matches, but were they this? <laughs> were they exactly. These? Like, so we've got the Knockouts World Tag Team Championship. So right there, you have two women's tag champions. Uh, and title that, titles that were reintroduced last year, am I right? I believe so. Might yeah. have been two years ago. The last couple of years all kind of run together. But they were reactivated very recently. Very recently. And already, like, we've had lots of storylines through these tag team championships, but not, like, in a in a tossed-off way. You have... And I think this was really cool because, okay, so I don't follow Impact episode by episode. I'm not a, a loyal watcher. I am. How dare you? I know. I honestly, Mayday, what's wrong with me? Because <laughs> every time I every time I watch a, a, I understand that episodes are different. But like every time I watch an Impact pay per view, I enjoy the hell out of it. Like, what am I? What am I waiting for? Um, especially when it comes to the women's content. Mm-hmm. So you have the current reigning world tag champions, the influence, which is Madison rain and Tennille Dashwood uh, going up against the newly reunited Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie Ragnarok. And I don't know why they didn't use that team name this time around, but that's, that is their team name. Maybe, or maybe they're like, it was meant to sell kind of how like just reformed this is and tenuous because the commentary Maybe. was kind of selling that too of like oh well can they still work as a tag team together can, can they coexist can they coexist can <laughs> can rosemary forgive ty of valkyrie yeah. like there's a lot of i actually thought that was kind of smart that they didn't use the name because it, it sold to me how like how shaky this is that's fair and there was moments where like the one would kind of forcefully tagged themselves into the surprise and anger of the other one and they weren't quite working well together meanwhile the influence was you know very well oiled machine yeah i i so i haven't been super following impact right in the last several months tell me about the influence um well it's it's like i said it's madison rain and Tennille dashwood and they're very much like uh i'm trying to think like the beautiful people 2.0 but that's not quite it um but they're very like shallow. They're very like, they take selfies. They're very, look at us. We're great. Um, they have a talk show, which I still think this is a great gimmick. They have a talk show segment where every week they are the guests and the person interviews them. Um, oh my God. That's amazing. Isn't it though? Like that's such a great shtick. I love it. Um, but they say like, and this week's host is so-and-so and then the host interviews the influence. 
Um, they used to have Caleb with a K, but uh, they fired him for hanging out with the inspiration a little too much. Um, in reality, I think his contract just ended. He chose not to renew and he left. But that was the reason they that was the kayfabe reason they fired him. And then we don't see him anymore. Um, we also don't see the inspiration anymore because they retired. Very sad. Yeah. I hope they come back. But, you know, who knows? Honestly, you know, how many times has Madison Rain retired at this point? I That's don't. fair. I don't trust any wrestler when they're like, I'm done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. The the one we used to hold up as like the, the ironclad classic was Shawn Michaels. And even he eventually came back. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got guys who, you know, really shouldn't even be able to move still like going in and wrestling. So like, yeah. like perhaps at Starcast, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just saying wrestlers we don't believe you anymore you're like you you guys are like the share uh like share doesn't actually retire there's no actual retirement tour like you guys we'll we'll see another year yeah so as far as i am concerned the uh the inspiration is just on hiatus yes yeah the only person i can think of who actually has a credible retirement is chris wolf because as far as i know she has not dabbled in coming back yet yet and I can't, I wouldn't be upset if she owned just Oh, me either. <laughs> um, so, but as shaky as this new reunion of Rosemary and Taya is, uh, they proved to be victorious. I thought this was a pretty good match. I Shorter than I expected, but fun. I was pretty nonstop. And the moments where um, I, I just, I love the character. I just love the commitment to the character work in these matches because you have great wrestling, but you also have, people who understand what they're playing and how to play it in the ring. And I mean, no one, no one really gets their character as much as Rosemary, like Rosemary lives and breathes in that, in that character. And her and Taya have such a great lived in chemistry. So even when they're kind of playing at odds, when they're playing those aggressive taps, like it just, it feels so understood. It really does. The, my, my comparison is like, they're like an old married couple who are like fighting like you can tell they still know each other. They still know exactly, you know, how they're going to operate. They still work well together. They're just not necessarily on the best terms right now, but they can still obviously work very well together because they just wanted the tag team titles. Um, so like that connection is definitely still there. Yeah. My, my comparison was very similar. And then I was thinking of it as like divorced parents who still have to raise a kid. Yeah. Like same, same they energy. Still have to, they still have to kind of co-parent like, they have to agree on certain things. They have to like get their kids through whatever they have to like, you know, they both got to show up at the big game. Like they're, they're there, they're in it They're They have to depend on each other to a certain degree, even if there's still residual animosity, even if there's like a lack of trust there. Yeah. And I do hope that they start to coalesce in the next, you know, couple of weeks, months, whatever. Um, I really hope they don't do the whole like odd couple can't stand each other, but they're the tag team champs. Like that's been so overdone. I hope like they they've gotten through it and they're the champs now and they rekindle that energy and they like start to be a, a team again. That's the direction I hope they go. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I don't worry about it. You know, like I don't, when I it comes to impact, like I'm not going to say too. that. I'm not going to say that it's flawless. Like they make missteps like any other promotion, even the women's <laughs> division. Like, I mean, obviously in the men's division, but like, you know, I just every- mean in, in general, we were talking about that in the, the live chat. Like, <laughs> Hey, remember the time they live streamed a show from Josh Matthews phone? Oh no. I, and, then I they had to, we- 
they had to take a five minute break because he had to make a phone call and then they brought the show back. <laughs> okay. So I thought we all agreed as a society, we we're going to, to let, to, to forget that ever happened. <laughs> I'm just saying impact makes mistakes like any other company. Yeah. It's all I'm yeah. Well, and they make a lot of mistakes um, in bold choices and in kind of like weird, odd choices or choices made out of a strange necessity. Like they, Oftentimes with impact, there's usually a very tangible, like budgetary reason something may have happened or someone just made a big creative swing and it really didn't work out. That's true too. But yeah, I I just admire so much of the willingness to like, to go there with, with this. I mean, you, you talk gimmick matches and other promotions, but impact is the, the promotion where there are matches where there's a reverse battle Royal. Yes. a match that is led into by the fact that the men had to be locked in solitude in darkness for 24 <laughs> hours. For 24 which, hours. Which, in theory, you would think would lead to a terrible match because they're both dehydrated, tired, disoriented, probably, you know, extremely hungry, yeah, thirsty. But no, it's just like now they're extra mad. They're rabid dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I want to see someone try this in real life. And like, see what happens after you've been locked in a closet for you know twenty four hours, and then go fight. Like, how good of a fight is that really gonna be? But in kayfabe, it totally works. I really enjoyed. I'm not that this was gonna be about the men's matches, but I really did enjoy that. Like, when the when the the, sh- the show Sammy Callahan getting let out of his closet, he's like, "Yeah, I live there now." Yeah, you're like that was easy. Yeah, I live there now. Meanwhile, yeah. Moose like couldn't stand it. Yeah. Honestly, I, I believe that Sammy Callahan does live in a closet now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah probably. It, it, it feels credible. <laughs> um, so, we have new tag champions. I'm interested to see where this goes. This is yet another reason why I really need to tune in because I, I just I genuinely enjoy anything that, that Rosemary does. I am a just like a low key Rosemary Stan, and um, I I really like this this like relationship she has with Taya. I yeah. think it's really interesting and complex. And the stuff that they can play with now that Taya is back, I, you know, as, as interesting and as kind of odd and dead end as things that were left, I have no doubt that they can come up with really rich and interesting ways to, to play it out now, especially now that they're champions. Yeah. And I, I definitely appreciate Impact's commitment to continuity. Like they'll do little callbacks to stuff from like 10 years ago, just because why not? Um, so in kayfabe, Kaya, Kaya, Taya was in prison for murder because she tried to murder Rosemary's groom to be. So I'm sure that will come up. <laughs> the uh, the prison was in Connecticut. We don't talk about it, but yeah, officially that's why she left because she went to prison for murder or attempted murder. Johnny Bravo's still alive. I was gonna say attempted murder. You know, she's she's not actually a murderer. She's True. just a, a you know an attempted murderer. But I, it, I, it's... Yeah, I fully expect that to come back into play somewhere somehow. Even if it's just a throwaway gag, I'm I'm excited to see how it's used. I, w- I honestly even wouldn't mind a throwaway gag. Oh, I me either. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm actually actually really curious where the influence goes from here. Now that they're not champs. Yeah, I'm interested to see that too. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, or at least fill me in. When the tag champions are no longer the tag champions, do they typically dissolve as tag partners? Like, do we see them still tagging together, or is it usually like? that like breaks up the partnership no they'll typically stay together as a tag team they'll probably go right back after the belts um but just in general losing the tag title does not automatically mean your team gets dissolved in impact oh hey 
what a novel idea that like <laughs> you, you could remain a tag team if you don't have titles. <laughs> right? Who could have thought? Who could have thought that, you know, there might be more to like tagging with somebody than just like simply like being in possession of the belts. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the real the real meat mountain of this uh slamiversary pay-per-view which was the first ever knockouts championship queen of the mountain match yes i remember yeah i remember the last probably for the last month or so every single week they would again explain the rules and i'm thinking like it's still gonna be a clusterfuck it just is um the the nature of these rules like you can explain it a million times people are still going to be absolutely lost in the moment and they were even the the uh the commentary stayed on top of it pretty well but even the ringside announcer got lost a couple times and just oh impact never change impact queen of the mountain match you know okay (laughs) so i'm gonna try and do this okay i'm gonna tell tell you what the rules of the queen of the mountain match are okay all right so the wrestlers come in it is, uh, it's five women. In this case, we've got the champion, Tasha Steeles, defending the champ, defending the belt against Jordan Grace, Mia Yim, Chelsea Green, and Deanna Parazzo. Mm-hmm. All right. So right away, you have five of the very best in the ring together. Five of my absolute favorite women working today. And don't forget the special guest enforcer. <gasps> Mickey James. Yes. Um, can you tell me what Mickey James was wearing? Um. I don't know. It looked like a sort of a referee outfit, but not really. I mean, it had the stripes, but it was also like sequined. And yeah, I'm not really sure. Okay. So um, I don't know if anyone out there listening has ever seen the movie. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, but Mickey James is wearing something. Oh my gosh. Mayday. Got to see this classic. I'm looking it up right now. So Mickey James is wearing what I can only describe as a Sue Ellen original. And if you um have seen don't tell mom the babysitter's dead you will understand exactly what i mean uh this is a this is like a referee uniform redesigned by the by the teenage fashion icon sue ellen <laughs> um yes so please uh if you haven't seen the movie go watch the movie and then review mickey james's uh pseudo official outfit in uh, the queen of the mountain match because you will see exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> all right remember she was not a referee she was she a special enforcer she was although an i guess enforcer. referees aren't strictly required in this match like there's no oh no they, they count pinfalls no you're right so they, they count pinfalls yeah They're just not, they don't have that's to be part of ring. the rules <laughs> so these five women, they all begin as ineligible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they cannot, well, okay. So they cannot win. They cannot win. A wrestler becomes eligible when they get a pinfall or submission over another wrestler. Correct. Okay. So the wrestler who gets pinned or submitted then has to spend two minutes in a cage in the penalty box. Correct. It's like a shark cage looking thing. Yes. And there's a lot of really great spots in this match where like they're getting thrown to the cage or like at one point, Chelsea Green has to go to the penalty box and she like kicks the door and it hits Mickey James. And it's really good. And then Chelsea Green's just cackling. It's just, it's awesome. Um, I'm sorry. I really enjoyed everything with the cage. Then <laughs> uh, uh, the person who got the pin or the submission is an eligible wrestler and they can then win the match by climbing a ladder and hanging the championship belt above the ring. So they win the match and then the knockouts championship. Well, first they have to get the belt from the announcer's table. 
Oh God, I forgot that part. Yes. <laughs> so it's like a reverse ladder match um, with a penalty box. And it, it, it's an so... eligibility requirements. Okay. So I'm going to get this off the way, out of the way right away. <laughs> this is a stupid idea, but it works somehow it works and it works because all five of these women work their asses off to for six because mickey james is working this oh, whole yeah. time, entire time too she working as the enforcer actually really works in this too because um having this kind of agent of chaos who is specifically targeting like specific people in this match to like you know unduly like you know uh to to take away opportunities it's outside interference call it what it is yes yes okay <laughs> She's interfering. She's, you know, targeting specific people to, to interfere with. Using her authority, with. according abuse- to uh, Matt Raywald. Yeah. yeah, well, she kind of was abusing her authority <laughs> at certain points. Um, having her work as that agent of chaos really helps, too, because it makes something that is fairly chaotic all the more layered and interesting to watch because suddenly you've got a you've got something that could really be anyone's moment turn into, like, anything anything could happen like someone just gets a pinfall and then mickey james is in there like interfering with their opportunity to like maxim to 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 maximize that moment and it's like done like then the two minutes are up and that person's back in the ring so it it's really interesting it's a mess but it's incredible i think the reason this this worked um and and same for the reverse battle royal which was on the pre-show i think the reason both of those worked this time around is because they leaned into the just ridiculousness of it like they acknowledge this is this is a ridiculous set of rules this is a ridiculous concept for a match like none of this makes any sense and they leaned into it this time whereas in previous times they like they tried to play it straight like they tried to be you know 10 grown adults don't know how to get into a ring when that's literally the first thing you do for every match. Like, how do you try to play that straight? It it comes off stupid. Whereas, you know, playing like leaning into it, acknowledging that it's ridiculous, like we're kind of in on it and it it plays a lot better. Same for the queen of the mountain match, like the the whole penalty box thing and the eligibility ineligibility and all the, you know, hanging of the belt. And it's, it's so ridiculous and like nonsensical, but the fact that they've just sort of acknowledged it and ran with it makes it like, that's why it works. And that's also why it did not work in previous versions of this match. I am not a huge fan of ladder matches in general. Um, I shocking. I know, but like, (laughs) I find the whole formulaic nature of wrestlers having to pretend that they don't know how to climb a ladder and the moments in a match, in a ladder match where like they could just win, they could just go up the ladder and win, but no, instead they got to like do some stupid spot. That's like, you know, it, it takes me out of it because in wrestling you want all those moments to count those big moments to count. And in ladder matches, I have such a hard time like going along with it because the whole time I'm like, no, just climb the ladder. dummy. It's right there. It's right there. So, you know, the weirdest way, this, despite all the like machinations and like layered rules of this, all these like eligibility requirements, I actually really kind of like the whole thing that they have to climb the ladder to hang the belt because that is kind of cumbersome because they have to like get up there and then they have to hang the belt. They have to snap it. It took like Jordan Gray's 30 goddamn seconds just to snap the belt closed. She she didn't snap it. (laughs) She 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 just kind of pinched it shut with her hand, which totally And there's like, that's it. Bell rings. She wins. Cause yeah, she was having some trouble there. 
And like that to me, okay, totally fine. Because who hasn't fumbled with the straps of something at yeah. an inopportune moment? Who hasn't like struggled to like, I don't, you know, get a, like a seatbelt adjusted? Like, yes, that to me was like perfectly natural thing to fumble with. Especially um, after I, all that and your, you know, adrenaline's pumping and you're in the moment and you're just like, you get frustrated, which causes it like, and then, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there are five women in this match, plus there's Mickey James as enforcer. You've got pretty much action right off the bat. Uh, right off the bat, Tasha Steele's kind of nopes out, just is like, oh, she's a champ. She's going to nope out for a minute. She doesn't have to go, she doesn't have to get crazy yet. Um, Smart, honestly, just, nobody else is eligible yet. Yeah, I mean, who, she's already the champ. All she's got to do is just rotate, like, she's just got to hang out and see what happens. Well, I said, it makes sense in this type of a match, vice a typical ladder match where, like, someone would nope out. You're like, why would you do that? Like, go climb the ladder. Nobody can climb the ladder yet. You may as well let everybody beat on each other while you take a breather. Yeah, it's it's weird how this is both messy, but also weirdly makes sense. Like, there is a, it because of the, uh, the eligibility requirement, it, like, it adds in a step to keep this from being just a melee clusterfuck. Like I would love if, to, to like have sat in on the, the planning session because I, I imagine this took forever to kind of plan out and story right. out and beat out. Um, so it doesn't turn into like, why don't they just climb the ladder? Like everything made sense within the match. And I would I imagine that took quite a bit of finagling and Tetrising and Rubik's cubing the, the parts around till it made sense. Yeah, and it it just it, it ends up working. There's so many spots here that like are well earned. There's um I mean everyone seems to get their moment to really like go turbo and shine. Mia Yim gets a really great sequence that uh that uh culminates with her running up a ladder that's like balanced on the ropes. It was the Sheldon Benjamin spot. Oh my god, it was it's so good. She did so well. Like Plus, that's uh, that's a fun callback to their whole rivalry. On Twitter? Uh, Have you seen him go back and forth? No. You haven't seen that? I have not like, seen that. In in Kayfabe on Twitter, like they can't stand each other and they hate each other and they're always taking shots at each other. And like someone will ask some like at a meet and greet, they'll ask him to sign the other person's thing and they'll like, you know, get out of here. And like they did like a some Sheldon Benjamin thing at like a GameStop and somebody wore a Mia Yim shirt and Sheldon Benjamin tried to have him kicked out. Like it's a whole thing. I mean, obviously they love each other, like it's they're like best friends, but like on on TV and in cave, every time one of them loses a match, the other one makes fun of them on Twitter and stuff like that. So, like, she did the Selden Benjamin spot, like, and then didn't win. So, of course, he had fun with that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is even more rewarded. God damn it, this promotion is so good. God, what it, what it's good. It's so fucking good. He's not even an impact talent. <laughs> Jesus, but they but they let this happen because it works. Mm-hmm. It's gonna give. It's going to give some, at least a good chunk of Jim's fan base a huge pop when they see that. Oh, it did. I popped. I mean, and I didn't need the I didn't need the reference to pop for this because it was just fucking great. But like, oh, wow, that's so cool. That is so cool. Um, but there are so many moments in this match. And of course, I saw you tweet about this. But then there's that uh, giant spot towards the end My of God. the match. Where um, Chelsea Green and Deanna are both on the ladder after seemingly taking out Jordan Grace. But Jordan Grace, as a juggernaut who cannot be stopped, gets up and knocks the women off the ladder, out of the ring, onto a table. Them falling probably about, like, I would say, six, like 18, 16, 18 feet. Uh, 
I would say more than that. It looked like probably a 20 foot ladder. Yeah. So they were probably like, you know, 15, 16 feet up because they weren't at the very top, obviously. But then they fell like past the apron, which is another couple of feet. Like I'd say it was over 20 feet. It Whatever it was, it demolished the table. I don't know how those women are standing. Yeah, no, they they died. Like that was insane. And I mean, to the credit of the match, that was it for them for the match. They never got back up. But yeah, that yeah. was... Well, I mean, you could definitely see some spot fest match where like, whoa, wasn't that great? And they pop right back up and continue the match. No, like they're done. <laughs> yeah, no, this was this was towards the end. Of, I mean, this was the this was the final final moment, really, because yeah. like Jordan Grace would would climb the ladder and hang the belt like in moments afterwards. So like you this was smartly booked in that 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 biggest spot, that most brutal spot did not happen until the end. It took out two of the competitors, basically leaving it wide open for the one person standing. Yeah. No, this is the other thing about this match as convoluted as this is this, a lot of the choices here made so much sense and the way that it was orchestrated and the way that it culminated made sense. So you could watch it. And even if you were confused at times, there was not a moment, there wasn't any kind of crazy momentum shift where like it suddenly lost a lot of momentum or like it built too early. It really did a nice job of like building on those big spots to like go bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally with the biggest, just boom, then you have your winner. Yeah, no, it was, it was perfectly paced. It was a fantastic yeah. match. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I think this is like my favorite women's match that I've seen so far this year. Like, uh, yeah, I'd probably go with, I'd agree with that. I mean, at least in the, in the, top three it feels weird to compare it to certain other matches that like don't have penalty boxes <laughs> but but it definitely is one of my favorites that i've watched recent like in recent years uh, it's so much fun um every moment is really well earned in this and you get such a great combination of people here because you get you get pretty much every flavor that you would would want in a match like this. You get a couple of really good heels. You get a couple of good faces. You get Mickey James just doing Mickey James shit, and it's and it's it's great. It's just a really fun ride. I'm trying to think. I think it was Mia Yim um, who dove off the cage into the ring. <gasps> was it Mia Yim? I'm pretty sure it was. Like oh, she climbed man. up on top of the penalty box. I. I could, for the life of me, I could not tell you how she got up there. But at some point, she was up there, and she dove off the top of the cage, like, into the ring, like a suicide dive splash thing, and took out a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, and a uh, shout-out to Savannah Evans um, doing backup work for Tasha Steeles. It's, yep. just, it's great seeing Savannah <laughs> Evans. Who got put in the cage with her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if you want to lock up someone with their with their best friend. Well, yeah. again, mm -hmm. as Matthew Raywald pointed out, she doesn't belong in there. She didn't get pinned. She's not even in the match. What are you putting her in there for? <laughs> Eventually, she did get ejected from ringside totally, which I thought, yeah, yeah, which I thought was, you know. <laughs> it was like, it's like, you shouldn't be locking her up. She's not, she's not, no, she didn't need a pin or whatever. Of course, Matt Raywald is kind of the heel commentary. So he was arguing that she shouldn't be in there at all. Like, <laughs> righteous indignation. Who is your MVP from this match of the, of the five women in actual contention as I, you know, I mean, yes, Jordan got the, the belt, but who, who was the person that you just feel like really shown in this match? I would say Mia Yim. Yeah, this was a, this was a showcase for Mia Yim. I think, it was. I, I think it was nice too, to, to be able to have those big, big breakout moments for Mia because she came to the promotion. She came into the promotion not that long ago and all these other women have been there a little longer or, or much longer and, you know, have established themselves in various ways. I think this was a great way to really establish Mia Yim. 
yeah or reestablish her for people who have, like haven't yeah. seen her at all yeah like this is who you've been missing so to speak like the hbic yeah and it's it's just further proof like I, I hate to keep comparing it to AEW, but like you know every time major talent is released from wwe there's always the big thing of like oh they need to go to AEW. tony khan sign blah 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 it's like but first of all no like not even men should all just sign there because like we see that it's a it's a crowded overstuffed place right now yeah um also they're not getting the women's talent just simply is not getting to do what they're able to do at impact and for someone like me him for someone with like both veteran status and a tremendous amount of talent and and so much time left in their career a place like impact is going to give them a lot more opportunities at the present like right now so i don't know it, it just further cements to me that impact is the place like if i were someone leaving wwe that's like the, the i'd be looking at impact i know i'm not making the like bigger paycheck that i'd be making elsewhere but i'm also getting to do tremendous work that like is gonna is gonna get people noticing because people people see these spots people see these gifts like they're gonna they're gonna see me again like running off a ladder diving onto people yeah exactly um i think i'd have to find the article but i think AEW did reach out to her and she said like no she wasn't gonna come back to wrestling like at all she was like so burnt out and done um that when AEW reached out she just basically told him no um and then just like a chance encounter with uh, gail kim they started talking and she I, she signed like a very short i think she's like a six-month contract um and here she is so uh i'm hoping she renews that contract because she's a, she fits perfectly in the knockouts division but like you you definitely get the sense that it's kind of rekindled her love of wrestling where like maybe she was just done with it in general yeah i i felt that i felt every bit of that watching this match because she you know she came in with such gusto she came in with such energy and it was just thrilling to get to see her like that again you know it's i i really like me again i've always liked watching her like from the independence i didn't get to see as much of her when she signed with wwe and i'm i'm sure she was able to do some tremendous work on occasion there but like in the same way that so much talent gets buried there i'm glad that she's now able to like to come back into wrestling and and find her passion for it again if no matter how long it is like maybe that's a six-month thing maybe it's a one-year thing who knows but it's, yeah. it's good to see it while it lasts oh yeah and you can definitely tell she was like having the time of her life out there oh yeah absolutely and i mean we i was having the time of my life watching it so like it, it came through well that was slammiversary the women's division a part of it anyway um 20 years going strong impact still delivering some of the best uh, women's talent around and really showcasing it in a, in a thrilling way. Uh, takeaways, any other final thoughts about the women's division uh, with the knockouts division and uh, Slammiversary? Uh, yes. Uh, I did want to shout out during the uh, Impact Originals versus Honor No More, which was in itself full of a ton of old TNA callbacks. Um, they actually brought out uh, Tracy Brooks, who is uh, Frankie Kazarian's actual wife so she was ringside they showed her and she was like oh you know she's cheering on her husband and then of course because this is pro wrestling she got physically involved she jumped the guardrail she took out maria canellis um they threatened her with uh i think a power bomb by pco um but i mean that got stopped before she actually had to take a bump but uh like she was there and it was just another great you know old school tna original knockout you know showing up again it was kind of cool that's awesome so, Mayday, where can you see Impact these days? When and where? 
it's on Access TV uh, Thursdays at eight o'clock. However, if you have YouTube and want to pay a dollar a month, uh, you can watch them on YouTube at 8.30 uh, p.m., which is strange, and I don't agree with that, but it's got, <laughs> it's got no commercials, so it ends at the same time as the Access TV broadcast. If it were me, I would start it at the same time and just throw in, like, you know, flashback moments or, like, filler stuff or whatever to fill in for the commercials, because the fact that it starts half an hour later is it, no one's going to watch it, but that's just me. <laughs> It is there. You can watch it if you want to. Um, I watch it on Access TV. As always, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Grit Glitter Pod, and you can support us if you so wish. Patreon.com slash Grit Glitter Pod. There are three tiers. One dollar a month. That's a dollar. Nothing. You give us a dollar every month, we'll send you a newsletter every Monday straight to your email box. It'll feature match recommendations for a show coming up that week. It'll give you sneak preview info about stuff coming up on future episodes of Good and Glitter. And you'll get every single Monday a really earnest, heartfelt letter from one of us in the Glitterati. Maybe you'll get Val writing about moving or about making New Year for Dale Apparel. Maybe you'll get Chewy writing in-depth about how Edie Surreal helped them find their gender. Maybe we'll get something next week about my wedding. I'm getting married in like four days. Nuts. It's crazy. For real. That's a dollar a month. Five dollars gives you bonus podcasts. Em and Val have one where they've been re-watching the Netflix series Glow and talking about that. Good stuff. Em and I have one where we're tracing the history of women in the WWE. We've got a new episode of that coming in the next week or two. It's covering the year 1987, a great year for women's wrestling WWF, believe it or not. You got Jumping Mom Angels, you got the debut of Sensational Sherry and Rockin' Robin. A really surprisingly good year, and we talk all about it. Every single match that takes place that year, we talk about it. And that's only $5 a month as well for those podcasts. And if you support us, we don't keep that money. We don't use it to go out and buy merch or to go get candy or toilet paper. We take that money and we invest it into other productions. We sponsored The Last Paris is Bumping last year. We sponsored shows from Wrestlers Lab, sponsored shows from Enjoy Wrestling. We take your money and we put it back into the ecosystem so all of this great wrestling can continue to continue. This Thursday is the birthday of everybody's favorite glittery goblin, Meg Fair. You might know Meg as the ring announcer and backstage interviewer for Enjoy Wrestling. You might know Meg from Twitter or Instagram. You might know Meg as another member of my beloved team of correspondents known as the Glitterati. It's their birthday this Thursday. At them on Twitter. Wish them well and pump them up. Tell them how excited you are. There's a new Enjoy Wrestling show coming in in a couple of weeks. What are they going to wear? What are they going to look like? What are they serving this time? Pump them up. Get them really hyped. Tell them how much you can't wait to see. And then next week, come back here, wherever you are. Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Every Tuesday, we have a new episode for you, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next Thursday, it is our final episode of Grit and Glitter for the month of Pride 2022. We're going out with a bang. It's the return of your favorite game show, 
the newly taped game. Normally I'm co-hosted with Val Records. Val is off on excursion at the moment, so it will be Emily Fear stepping up to join me. We will be hosting the Pride edition of the newly taped game, pitting three of your favorite queer indie wrestling take teams against one another on a game show to determine which duo knows each other the best. It will be MSP versus The Runway versus Sazzy Boatwright and Envy Young. Tell me you're not coming back next week to listen to that. <laughs>